0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. Josh Marlowe in the studio. Uh, I did not, uh, I was not able to wait around today, so Josh uh, did go to the studio, so we're going to do this one uh, on Zoom. I'm actually at the house right now, uh, getting ready for a big game against Duke. Duke. Tariels coming back home, trying to shake off the loss to Georgia tech. And uh, we're going to run through that game for you here coming up uh, over the next uh, little bit here, tell you the keys to the game, the official predictions that we have for the game and everything like that. We'll also give you a good look at the opponent that the Toriels will be facing on Saturday when they welcome their rivals from just uh, eight miles down the road into uh, their home stadium. But, uh, Buddy, uh, I know you are crushed. That's the first time you are not getting to go to a game with me for uh, the 2021 season. I know you are just devastated that you have to miss what is a loaded day of college football.
1: Yeah, um, I will miss Stevie D's. I will miss the Heel faithful there in 220. But got to let your dad, Tony Paggs, make the trip up there. Y'all can take this one in. Because I'll, I'll be locked in on Carolina and don't get me wrong. But Georgia, Arkansas, Bama, Miss, a whole great day of college football. Couldn't pass up the opportunity to sit at home at my humble abode and watch all the great games uh, for 12 hours. Um, but Carolina's got a big one. Um, because as bad as we were talking about this team on Monday, particularly me, um, they still got a lot in front of them to accomplish. They can still accomplish their goals, not to the level that we wanted them to accomplish them at, but they can still get to where they ultimately wanted to get to back in August if they start taking care of business. Against
0: yeah. I mean, look, it's still year three of basically a complete rebuild. Uh, the, the timeline was probably a little bit ahead of where it should have been for the expectations of a program that's going uh, through the type of rebuild that Carolina was going through, even with a guy like Mac Brown as head coach. But, uh, you know, those were the expectations. People are disappointed right now, uh, especially after the team that they got beat by last week. But you're right. I think the thing that they've got to do is they've got to shake off that loss last week it happened. It's something that you can't get back. But at this point, there is a path to finishing this conference season six and two and still making the ACC championship game against who knows. You have no idea who you're going to be facing on that other side. This is no longer, especially, you know, at least for this season, this is no longer the dominant Clemson team that we have seen over the past few seasons. So that means that you could, I mean, who knows? You could face a Wake Forest team that could be coming in with one uh, one loss, maybe two at the max is probably what I would see. Uh, you could be facing that Clemson team who maybe gets their, get, gets themselves back on track but still isn't that high power team. There's still an opportunity for you here. It's just a little bit tougher now, and you've got to get a little bit of help, but you've got to take care of your business, and it starts, as you mentioned, uh, in Keenan Stadium at 12 o'clock on Saturday against the Duke Blue Devils. For those of you at home, like Josh will be, it'll be on ESPN, too, so make sure that you guys check that out. Or, of course, uh, listen to the game on the Toriel Sports Network with our guy Jones Angel, Brian Simmons, Lee Pace, all those guys will be on the call uh, from Chapel Hill. Toriels will be without uh, one of their veteran linebackers. That was announced, actually, before last week's game. Tyrone Hopper is out for the season. uh, With what appears to be a shoulder injury, he posted a photo of him post-surgery. It looks like uh, that's something that uh, unfortunately is going to end his career. I don't know. It happened early enough in the season where he could maybe get a medical redshirt again uh, and come back next season. Him and Bo Corrales, believe it or not, are kind of looking at similar situations as guys that took the super senior year, but so far have uh, not been able to play much of a role this year due to injury. So uh, We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with him, but for right now, he will not be an option for the Tar Heels at linebacker, which you know definitely hurts a little bit. I'm not going to say that he is the most polished player, but he's definitely a guy that I feel like when you look at him, he was somebody that was there for the Tar Heels as a rotational option this year, uh, was definitely a veteran experienced guy that could help you out uh, and potentially help you slow down the run game from time to time. So uh, it's definitely a loss that Carolina has to absorb, but it's one that uh, they definitely look more positioned to face this season than they have in any of the last couple of seasons uh, with the amount of depth that they have at the position. A little bit bigger storylines uh, in terms of injuries, Storm Duck uh, week to week with a lower body injury. That was reported by uh, Shayna Quick uh, the other day. Uh, she's come on with us, of course, before. I'm not sure what outlet she's officially with at this point, uh, but she did uh, throw out those uh, little tidbits the other day, uh, along with the fact that Caleb Hood has an upper body injury. Uh, I did hear some real- Rumors from some people that did say that uh, they did see him at the UNC hospital with his uh, with his midsection wrapped, uh, potentially getting you know ribs something like that looked at. Um, again, those are just rumors. I, I, I'm not. Certain on anything, uh, but that's something that would explain why we didn't see a ton of him the other night. And who knows how much we're going to see of him going forward? It looks like as he returns slowly from his own injury, it'll be DJ Jones a little bit more as that number two back rather than Caleb Hood right now while he works on getting healthy. Uh, Those, uh, of course, will be behind Ty Chandler, who uh, Carolina needs to have uh, step up here and play the way that he did uh, to a certain extent. Doesn't have to be at the same level, but the way that he did against Virginia. Uh, You know, what what do you think about these injuries, man? I think the biggest one for sure, uh, in my mind, is probably Storm Duck. I think Caleb Hood's notable, especially with how well he played against Virginia. But I think – I feel like with Storm Duck – they really need him healthy right now because I, I understand that we've had, you know, solid corner play at times over the last couple of years. But I think really over the last you know, two weeks, we're starting to see uh, some of these guys get exposed just a little bit, mainly Kyler McMichael, who I, I think is a, a solid coverage guy. But I think we've seen over the last couple of weeks that he, he just doesn't have the ability to play the football the way that they are hoping Storm Duck does when he comes back.
1: Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, but when we talked all offseason, this was going to happen. Injuries are going to happen in, in any year. Um, you're still seeing a lot of major or a lot of in, injuries with people readjusting to a normal offseason they didn't have last year, of course, due to the pandemic. Uh, but yeah, losing storms is, is really impactful because he's a guy that can clean up a lot of mistakes that this defense has made so far this season when he's on the field. You've now lost that type of player in the backfield. Caleb Hood, it, it, it sucks, you know, potentially not having him moving forward because you're, you know, without a running back. But it's really hard to gauge I mean, how much of a good he's going to have anyway because of this offensive line that's so inconsistent. They haven't really opened up holes for him all year long to to hit and make an impact in the run game. So just something that Carolina's got to weather. I know Matt Brown said, look, now's not the time to make excuses and sit around here and lie and cry about this next man up. You've recruited good enough to – Put yourself in position to withstand these injuries, but hopefully we get these guys back from the stretch run in November as we try to make an ACC title.
0: Yeah, and now it's on Obi Igbuna uh, to step up. He's probably the main guy that uh, sort of benefits, uh, you know, from from this in terms of playing time. He's a guy that's going to have to step up and, and play a little bit more with DeAndre Hollins. Also, of course, out for the season. Uh, guys now out for the season. Uh, DeAndre Hollins, as we just mentioned, Tyrone Hopper, as we talked about, and uh, Ethan West out for the season. So those are your three guys right now uh, that Carolina is without for the rest of the year. Everybody else uh, that is banged up uh, is still currently at least available Bo Corrales not really sure we haven't had any updates on him Uh, and I feel like that's something where if there is some positive news we're going to be told about that uh, about you know pretty much as soon as possible considering he was one of the guys that was going to be looked at as a veteran leader on this team Um, but uh, he's a guy that I think at this point, you're just kind of if he ends up coming back this year and Carolina can add him to the full, great. As of right now, you're kind of preparing uh, to not have him uh, for the rest of the season. So let's look at this game against the Duke Blue Devils. Of course, uh, this is you know a long-standing rivalry between the two sides. Not quite as long-standing as the one Carolina played a couple of weeks ago, but this is the 107th meeting between the two teams. Carolina owns the 61-41 and four edge in the series. Uh, last meeting was the 56-24 victory for the Tar Heels in Durham last season, of course, plenty of highlights in that game, uh, mainly just a, a huge day from Javante Williams, including one play uh, we talked about You know, for a while, and you saw it all over the highlights throughout the offseason of Javante Williams running through Amari Carter of, uh, of Miami last year. Uh, he had a great run in this game a year ago where he just absolutely destroyed Tony Davis and knocked him back almost five yards uh, into the end zone as he ran through him for a touchdown. Uh, but Carolina will look to continue the momentum that they have against the Blue Devils. Of course, they've won the last two meetings against the Blue Devils. And believe it or not, the Tar Heels, even though they've had some up and downs against the Blue Devils, they have won six of the last eight meetings uh, between the two teams in Keenan Stadium. Carolina has been so much more successful at home over. Overall under Mac Brown as well, Carolina 10 and four in the second Matt Mac Brown stint in Keenan Stadium. And of course, two of those losses to the number one and number two teams in the country. Of course, Carolina came just a two point conversion away from upsetting the number one team in the country back in 2019 in Clemson. Um, but on the road, completely different team. Carolina is 6-8 and eight in uh, road or neutral site matchup. So this is a comfort zone for Carolina, being back home and also being back home against the Duke Blue Devils. So, well, you know, I, I think this really sets up pretty well for the Tariels in this game. I think a lot of people think of it as one of two – it's, it's going to go one of two ways. Either Carolina is going to come out and probably destroy Duke and really make a statement in this game to show that, hey – we're not done just yet. We're going to still try to make a run at this thing, and we have a chance to have a good season. Or this is going to be potentially a nail-biting game, and one that Carolina, if they if they lose, uh, probably shows that this is going to be a, uh, a a really tough season for Carolina, and and probably put people uh, in a state of panic.
1: Yeah, I don't know how big the margin of victory is going to be in this game um, because I don't know how good Carolina actually is. We've seen a much more Improved Duke team since they lost their season opener at Charlotte. I think the biggest thing to monitor in the first quarter or so um, is where is Carolina mentally? Are they mentally are they invested in the game or have they quit? Because this was a preseason top ten team with a lot of expectation of, of them, um, and they've gotten embarrassed uh, in two of their four in two of their four games and the losses to Virginia Tech and of course Georgia Tech. least' basically, interesting to see the psyche of this team. Um, you know, I think everything coming out of practice is positive, but everything leading up into the practice against Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech was also positive as well. And the result on the field wasn't as positive. So I think it will be interesting to see how Carolina embraces the game. Um, you know, Duke's going to be more invested in this game because they view us as a, more, a much more rival in football than we do. We, we view NC State as a much more bigger rival on the football field. But if Carolina doesn't come out with the right mindset, this Duke team isn't going to be afraid to hang around. As you go back two years ago, Carolina was much was probably a much better team that day. They had more talent, but they were an interception away by and the ended up losing that ball game at Keenan Stadium. So I don't know about the margin of victory. It's just the mindset that you got to be really worried about going into this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you mentioned it. This is a better team than the team that lost the season opener to Charlotte. Um, that you know, I think e- even that loss. I know Charlotte's not the greatest uh, opponent that you could face, but also Charlotte is a team that has a, a good coach on the rise, and that, that's not a team you know, sort of like the team that Georgia Tech lost to in Northern Illinois that we were saying that was a terrible loss. I mean, it's it's not a great loss. It's one that Duke should have definitely had, uh, but they definitely have looked like a much better team since then. Uh, the thing that I I think it, Carolina's. Really really got to be able to do in this game is they got to be able to put up points. They should have no issue putting up points against this Duke team um, I mean, look, the numbers aren't outrageous against the Duke defense, but they're not great. 26 uh, points per game allowed, 422.3 yards per game, 240 passing yards, uh, 0.8 passing yards per game, and 181.5 rushing yards per game. Uh, clearly, those are some of the worst defensive numbers uh, from a, a defense that Carolina is going to face this season. So they should definitely be able to have a lot of success in this game. And they're going to need to put up points because this is a pretty high power duke offense this is a little bit better of an offense than uh, we've seen from this team in the past few seasons they're averaging 38.8 points per game uh, 548.3 total yards per game offensively 297.3 through the air But more importantly, 251 rushing yards per game. And, of course, they're led by a guy that if you follow the ACC, you should definitely know in Mateo Durant, uh, who is tied for the lead in the country with eight rushing touchdowns and is third in rushing yards. They're going to lean very heavily on him. Don't get me wrong. They can still throw the football. But Mateo Durant is the guy that they are going to lean on I mean look he's a he's a really good player and I'm not saying this because I don't I mean I, I'm not a, someone who thinks that Duke is this great football team I still think that their three wins have been Okay, but they haven't really faced the greatest uh, opposition on the other side. I mean, the best game, the, the best team that they've played since then is Kansas. And let's be honest, Kansas, I know Lance Leopold's trying to get that program turned around. This is not Mark Mangino's Kansas. This is still a team that's got some work to do. Um, But I, I think, you know, a lot of people are looking at Durant and thinking that he could have a, a day against the Tariels. I don't think that's something that the Torials have to be overly concerned about, or Toriel fans, I should say, should be overly concerned about. Clearly the team should be and should be worrying about how to take them away. But I think Carolina over really during the Mac Brown era, I think they've done a good job of taking away the running backs. I think the worry is if you start seeing these jet sweeps, you start seeing some of these motion plays that have really plagued Carolina. What, what do you think? Are you with me on that? Or do you think that Carolina's got to be Carolina fans should be a little worried about Durant?
1: I mean, I think you've got to be worried just because the nature of this defense is that they haven't been good against the run. They haven't been good. Um, I mean, you know, the numbers looked good against Virginia Tech in terms of the amount of the total yards allowed on the ground. But if you look at the film, they weren't, they weren't adequate enough defensively. You saw what happened last week at Georgia Tech. Um, they clearly had a different running style with the mobile quarterback. But so needless to say, I think if Duke wants to run the football, they're going to be confident they can line up. If they want to run it with Durant, they can run it with Durant. If they they want to run Holmberg, then by God, they'll run Holmberg. If they want to run jet sweeps and motion and get the ball on the edge, which Carolina is even worse at doing anything in terms of defending the run, they're going to do that. Um, And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how prepared Jay Bateman is for this week after admitting uh, after his players admitted last week they weren't prepared for certain things that Georgia Tech did. Everything that Georgia Tech put on film, a lot of these teams are trying to incorporate in their offense moving forward to see if Carolina can stop it. Um, and I think you know it was so funny all offseason we heard all about how Cutcliffe was done at Duke and how this program was dead, and maybe the program is dead because no fans show up. But he's proven yet and yet again. He still to coach football at a pretty high level, got that team at 3-1. and one. Um, They're going to have a great game plan coming into Keenan Stadium, and I think it'll be interesting to see how Carolina is ready to defend that. This game has a shootout there written all over it a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I, I, because there's one element in that backfield rushing that Carolina – is that if you're a fan, you're still going to go in a little concerned about, and that's that they do run their quarterback, Gunnar Holmberg. He has more rushing touchdowns this season than he has passing touchdowns. So that, that is an element of their game that you've got to be prepared for. There's no excuse. We heard last week Jeremiah Gimmel said, and and here's my thing: some people I think have been have been questioning, you know, whether Gimmel was just frustrated or whatever, and and said something that he wasn't supposed to look. I believe Jeremiah Gimel when he says that they weren't prepared for that because Jeremiah Gimel, to me, looks like a guy that is very truthful when he speaks. He's not a guy that's going to come out and, and, and lie to you and try to make up excuses. He seems like a pretty straightforward guy. Part of the reason why I think he'll be great on television or as a coach. That's definitely somewhere in his future. Carolina's got no excuse in this game. You know that this is a team that is going to try to run the quarterback, especially after last week. And you've got to be able to take that element away, but he's still got the ability to throw the football uh, as well. I think Carolina's got to be prepared for that. Um, you got to, you, you want to see some better play on the outside from the corners. We've been saying it multiple times this year, and I think you know we talked about it a little bit when we were you know mentioning the basketball team uh, yesterday when we were doing the additional podcast that we were doing. By this point in the season, when you get to this point, you kind of are what you are. You know that these are the struggles that you have. This is the identity of the football team. So I think they've got to be able to get more pressure because we know that the guys on the outside right now, even though they're there, they're in position when they're in in man coverage. They are not guys that play the the 50-50 balls that well. Carolina has to be able to get pressure. But be smart about it. It needs to be like the game against Virginia where you were able to get pressure at times. It needs to be more consistent than that game, but able to get pressure while keeping the quarterback inside the pocket and not letting him kill you on the ground. So I think, honestly, you know, when I look at the numbers and I look at the way Homeberg's played, I mean, I don't know if you're with me on this. Is he kind of a lesser version of Brennan Armstrong right now? I mean, they, they, they seem to fit similar molds with what they're doing. I mean, the passing touchdowns number isn't quite there for Holmberg, but he's still thrown for, you know, he's still top 20, top 25 in the country, I know, uh, somewhere in that category when it comes to throwing the football.
1: I mean, here's the thing um, if Holmberg can come in and play at any closer to the level that Brennan Armstrong did a few weeks ago, it's going to be a long day for Carolina. Because Brennan Armstrong made a lot of throws that impressed me um, that I think he could make, and that was without the ability to run the football. They didn't try to run the football. Duke's going to run the football. They're not going to try to run the football. They're going to run the football on Carolina. And if they can make plays in the passive game off of that, when Storm Duck isn't ready to go and Kyler and and Michael and those guys aren't making plays for you in this secondary, this could be a much more tougher game than we envisioned, you know, when this season. Got underway, so I think it's something that we'll be interested to see. Can hey, Carolina make him make him uncomfortable? Can they rattle this cage a little bit um, and, and make him make him put put him in obvious passing downs? If he beats you in obvious passing downs, you live with that. But you don't want this guy to under him having a field day because you're not getting any pressure on him and he's able to do whatever he wants to
0: yeah, you need to make him beat you. It's that simple. I mean, I would much rather live with him standing back there trying to beat you with his arm than Mateo Duran beating you on the ground or him beating you on the ground with his legs. So I'm with you on that, and that's why it's key for Carolina to get him under duress. Uh, you know, look at the keys to the game here real quick. When you look at these, I think, you know, the the first thing, Carolina – they did a good job of this in the game against Virginia, put Virginia in obvious third and long passing situations. There were just times they couldn't get off the field against Virginia, but outside of that game, Carolina has not been able to limit the first down and second down yardage of these other teams. They have got to be better on the first two downs and put Duke in obvious passing situations like we were just talking about. I think that's a that, – you want Gunnar Holmberg to have to beat you with his arm, and you want – for your defense and for your scheme, you want there to be obvious passing down situations where it can sort of allow Jay Bateman to get creative and try to get some of these, these schemed blitzes and pressures – on Gunnar Holmberg, so I I think that's huge in this game that they've got to be better on first and second down of of slowing these guys down, especially uh, against a guy as talented as Durant in this game.
1: Yeah, if they can't, I mean, look, Duke has the ability to score the football at a pretty high rate. The numbers back that up. But as many teams want to do this year, they want to keep Sam Howell on the sidelines because that guy is capable of willing Carolina to a victory. So Duke's going to want to stay in – you know, second and four to get third and threes and third and four situations. If Carolina can get them in the third and sevens, third and eight longer, it might make it easier for Jay Bateman to draw up a blitz that we haven't seen him this year do because they haven't had the – because you weren't you weren't sitting an extra guy um, because of where the, 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 the down and distance was. So I think that's what Carolina's got to do. It, you know, the, the best way to make your defense look better is get pressure on the quarterback. That's been the biggest problem for Carolina for the last five or six years. It's translated under Jay Bateman's scheme. Um, Duke's offensive line isn't world, they're, they're not world beaters. Well like Carolina's offensive line, they're an average offensive line at best. So hopefully Carolina's talent and that depth with Miles Murphy, you know, Cayman Rucker, Javari Richard, those guys up front can wear down that Duke uh, offensive line and, and get and get Duke some obvious passing bats.
0: Yeah. And look, for Carolina, I think the biggest thing when you talk about them on the offensive side of the football, because I think that's one of the biggest things that we saw a little bit a week ago to a certain extent, was that even though, you know, Carolina shouldn't have the issue of wearing down, you could tell that late in the game, really, I think it was more mentally they got worn down, realizing that, you know, we're, we're not going to win this game, even though defensively, especially in that first half, they did everything that they they could to try to hold up against that Georgia Tech, uh, you know, offense that had so many opportunities early on because of the turnovers. I, I think that Carolina, you know, they, they need help. Offense from from that offense, and they need this offense to put up points. If they're going to be successful, I know that we said that this defense could take a step this year. I think they still can to a certain extent. I don't think it's going to be the step that most people were expecting. This team is still a work in progress on the defensive side of the football. The talent's there, but they're still a team that needs to learn how to play at the college level with some of the younger guys and some of the veteran guys just need to step up or they're simply not as talented as we thought they were. So I, they need this offense to be good. And it starts up front Carolina, the the, the second key they got to win up front offensively. If they don't, this game will be over from the word go. Th- this offensive line has to be better than they've been uh, pretty much three out of the four games this season. I know that they were covered in that second half against Georgia state. It still was not a great performance in the two road games this season. They've allowed 14 sacks. Um, that's something that, as Mac Brown said, that's something normally you should allow as a team in an entire season, not in two road games to start off the season. So this group has to be better. I said it last week. I... Th- I think you've got to make changes to your starting lineup. I understand that Brian Anderson and Jordan Tucker have been guys that you've lived with for a while. And to be honest with you with Jordan Tucker, I don't think it's that Jordan Tucker has played that bad, but for some reason, when you have William Barnes in there at right tackle, when you have Ed Montillis in there at left guard, And when you have Kieran Johnson in there at center and you choose what you want to do at left tackle, if you want to leave awesome Richards out there, or if you want to put Joshua Zudu out there, because you want him as your best offensive lineman to to be out there. I think that's what you got to go with. For some reason, that's when this offensive line is at at its best. I think at the least – You've got to see Kieran Johnson at center. Uh, and then outside of that, Car- Carolina's got to find that best combination of five, and this group has to perform better or else Carolina's not going to win this game.
1: Yeah, if Carolina trots out the same five that they it out last week, this, this season has been a um, And Stacey Searles honestly should be fired because there's no way if you evaluate the tape and the practice, you can identify that those five that you started last week are your five best offensive linemen. And if, and if that's what you truly believe, I need to—I need you to reevaluate your evaluations. Um, I, I'm totally on board with you, where I think you've got to put William Barnes out there. You've got to put uh, Kieran Johnson back out at center. You've got to have um, Ed Montillas there at left guard, and you figure out who the hell you're going to put at left tackle, because this offense, as, as any offense ever, and you look around the country, it's not just Carolina. You look at Clemson's offense, their offensive line is average. Oklahoma's offense, average. You can't do the things that you want to do with mediocre to average offensive line play if you want to be an elite offense, which Carolina has proven against Georgia State and against Virginia. When you give Sam Howell time in the passing game, game, you open the polls in the running game. This offense can be as dynamic as we thought it could be entering the season. So – um, let be rest nice to see what Carolina does do out there with their starting offensive line. But I think you're right. If Carolina does not win up front, they're not going to win this football game. And that'll be a pretty damning statement on this season.
0: Yeah, I. I and look, I mean, I I know they they faced a group last week that wasn't great either on paper. This is not the Duke defensive front from a year ago. Um, they are not a team that. Puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They do not have a guy on their roster right now that has more than one sack. They have three total sacks as a team
1: last week. <laughs> about nine sacks,
0: right? I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Last week, you need to make sure that last week was an anomaly. And look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Watching that defensive line for Georgia Tech. I mean, I, I think there, there are clearly some good young players. Jared Ivey is the guy that was highly rated coming out of high school. He's a good player. And I really thought that Brooks in the middle of that defense, he was a real – I mean, he looked like a space eater. Now, part of that was Brian Anderson didn't have a great game. But I think there were some talented guys down there. I'm not saying that Duke doesn't have any talent down there. I think Georgia Tech, in terms of overall talent, is clearly better than Duke you should be able to handle this Duke defensive front. You need – and and my thing is, is look, let's say even if you put out the guys that we're telling you to put out and they're struggling, the thing that I want to see is I want to see more – I want to see quicker reactions to the guys that are struggling. Last week it felt like no matter what they did for the first three and a half quarters – they were not taking the offensive they, – they were not taking any of those starting offensive linemen out. We're going to live and die with these guys. And it's like, you why? With? You've got the depth behind you. You brag in the offseason about how you felt you could maybe have – a, a, a two-deep set where you could bring in guys behind that offensive line if you needed to in every position, and you'd feel pretty confident about the guys that are behind them. So lean on these dudes. These guys are talented. There, I mean, there's a reason that coming out of high school, William Barnes was a high-end four-star, almost a five-star. Edmontillis is a guy that you guys have used repeatedly over the last couple of years as a rotational option. He started games when you've had injuries down there. And Kieran Johnson is as a guy that has worked his tail off to become a guy that you can trust in those types of situations. If they're playing better, which again, we're, we're not offensive line coaches. So we're not going to be the guys that you should say, well, they know exactly what they're talking about. But at the same time, I mean, you it's to, to us, it looks pretty obvious at home, who is playing better and who is struggling. You I need like to go team. with the guys that are playing better right now because You can't worry about, well, we have guys that have seniority. Right now, I don't care. We need to win.
1: Yeah, I like to think that I know what I'm talking about. Um, And hopefully the people that listen to this know that I know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, I'm I'm over this seniority crap. This ain't 1980. I don't care about seniority. I care about winning. Um, That's what you hired Matt Brown to do. You want to care about seniority? Bring back Larry Fedora, and we'll go through that crap again. Um, and it's just something that I think that was the most frustrating thing. Is I thought, as you mentioned, you said all during the summer we feel confident in our eight to ten deep in offensive line. Well, what happened? Because we haven't seen eight to ten deep, we've seen five, six, seven only because of injuries. So, what happened in between the start of fall camp and that game at Virginia Tech where you just lost all this confidence in these guys? And also, if you did lose confidence in these guys. That means the players lost confidence in themselves. And so now you've got a whole other issue on your hands. I think it's something like when Mac Brown is, is evaluating this program, program from top to bottom, and their in-game adjustments and stuff like that, that's something we got to get better at. Where it's like if we got the depth, and you said we have the depth, we got to be more willing to put guys in and see what they have and live and die with those results as opposed to just dying with guys that are getting to be on the football field.
0: Yeah, and look, again, it's not that you can't go to these guys at all. You use the rotation. We've seen it a couple of times over the last couple of years where – You know, awesome Richards and M Montillus have pretty much been interchangeable at times. Where if Richards is struggling that bad on a night, well, we're going to throw Montillus in there and we're going to kick Azudo out to left tackle. Or there's all sorts of different things that they've done, and there's with Montillus they still do that from time to time. But look at this point, employ that at center, employ that at right tackle employ that. I don't even care if you employ that at right guard. That's the one spot you've been solid. But if for some reason Marcus McKeitham wants to struggle in a game and you feel like somebody else can give you something for a little bit while you try to – get them back back right mentally, then do it. Don't sit there and just live, while well, we got these guys. These are the guys that have been here the longest. We got to just live and die with them right now. No, that's not working. You've got to figure out something to be able to help out Sam, and it's got to start in this game and going forward throughout the rest of the season. The last thing that I put in here, my last key to the game, is you got to feed into the rivalry aspect, and I think this is important for a couple of reasons here. <sighs> I don't think that it's going to be that much of an issue because I really do feel like, I mean, you, you, you said, look, we see state as, as the bigger rival. And I think that's clear. I don't think, especially the last two years, you've seen a Carolina team come out that looks at Duke and says, this isn't really our rival in football. I don't see that. There's always energy, but I think this time, they've really got to buy into that aspect. They really need to focus on that and prepare Harder than they would, I guess, in normal weeks. You would think for a rivalry game. I mean, everybody does it. They, that they talked about doing that. You know, this year against Virginia, you've got to do that this week because you need to do anything that you can to take your mind off of what happened last week. That needs to be out of your mind completely. You lost the game. It is what it is. Having this game against Duke, and they, they Mac Brown talked about this earlier in the week. It's definitely helpful to have this game as one because rivalry weeks are different. You focus on your opponent a little bit more, you'll prepare a little bit harder because you know a lot of these guys. You went to high school with some of these guys, especially a lot of the in-state guys. You went to high school with these guys. They played at rival high school. Some of them played on your team. Some of them are rivals. Some of you, you, some of those guys are your friends. You don't want to hear them brag. You want to show them up. You want to continue to control the state, something that Mack Brown has talked about Since he got hired as being the team that is the main program in the state of North Carolina and dominates the state. So I feel like there there is, you know, that's a known quantity coming into this game. Guys are going to take that at that, you know, rivalry mindset to it. But I think they need to buy into it even more this week and sort of focus on it to try to get any thought of that game against Georgia Tech out of their head.
1: Yeah, this game could either be a season safer where Carolina turns this thing around and they go on a run and, and make it to Charlotte, or a loss here and this thing goes off the rails. If you're looking at one of the most uh, disappointing loss seasons in the history of Carolina football, um, but it's not just from the players' aspect. At least from the fan base as well, the people that show up at Keenan Stadium. I don't care that it's a new I don't care that it's a new kit. Um, that's an excuse. Show up. Give this team energy. They're still, everything is still in front of what Carolina wants to accomplish. As, as bad as everything seems, they can still do what they want to do, especially if the results go their way in tonight's game between Miami and Virginia, um, where Carolina could come out and start being the presumptive favorite to make the, the AC title game from the coastal. But I think, you know, Carolina does kind a view dude as a rival. I think Mack on done a good job games seem to be more violent. It's a big problem under Larry where they just weren't as emotionally invested in this game as Duke was. Um and I mean it's just just a lot because it, it feels like you know a loss here and you're having the same conversation we had last week. What's the direction of the program? Recruiting you know recruiting could suffer if you lose it. Like so much can go wrong if you lose this game, but so much can go right if you win this game. So put in the you know the energy and the effort. And if you win and if you win the football game there's a good chance your season can still with them
0: on high note. I agree with you. I, I think that you know it, it, they're it, the the best way to put it is they still have a shot. Why? Because they play in the ACC Coastal. It,
1: you know, I don't mind. it. I, I don't like being this guy. But was our season goal to beat Georgia Tech? No. no. <laughs> our, our our season goal is to make the ACC title game. Um, now, granted, if you make it at seven and five with a four and four conference record, is that impressive? No but that's the hand that you've been dealt. That's the way the ACC might just go this year. The, the, the goal is to make the ACC title game. So as long as you can still – as long as you're still mathematically alive to do that, which today they are and they probably will be heading into the final game of the regular season, everything is still in front of them, and they need, and they need to approach it as they want.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, you can still make the Orange Bowl. Like, if you win the ACC – if you win the ACC championship – there is no team going to the playoff this year. That is gone. I mean, there is absolutely no chance. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't even understand how Clemson is still ranked at this point. But they are. Um, but I, I mean, at this point, you, you've got to look at it like: look, it, we, even though we probably won't be the team that we thought we were going to be, I mean, you could still be ten and two. I mean, if you if you go on a ridiculous run, you could still be nine and three, even eight and four you can still make the Orange Bowl, believe it or not. So every goal is still there. Now it's just those are extreme goals. You can't put those as expectations. I think a lot of people were expecting this team to win 10 games. A lot of people were expecting this team to be in the Orange Bowl because a lot of people thought Clemson's going to make the playoff, Carolina would be the second best team in the ACC, and they would go to the Orange Bowl. Now, those those can't be expectations, but they can still be goals that are there. They're still on the board. There are other goals that you probably want to look at and also put up there to have realistic goals. But those are goals that are still reachable. So Carolina's got to take that mindset going in. Really quickly before we get to our official predictions, I want to let you hear about uh, DraftKings, our sponsor on uh, you know the Pigskin Podcast Network, which we are a part of, uh, and you know they tell you about a great deal that's coming up for Week Four of the NFL season. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast after this message from DraftKings. Hey guys, Anthony here to tell you about our sponsor, DraftKings. As part of the Pigskin Podcast Network, we are three weeks into the season. Now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbooks, the official betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another exciting week this week as we head into week four, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Doesn't matter if sportsbooks are not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN and receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. That's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, so make sure that you guys head over to DraftKings.com. Make sure you check out all that, DraftKingsSportsBooks.com. Check out all that stuff. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great. If you want to make some money, uh and, and and you know they have the daily fantasy all that kind of stuff it's a great way to be able to bet on your teams that you love maybe bet on some of the former Tar Heels that you love as well there's plenty of guys in the NFL right now that play significant roles you could bet on those teams to try to help you out and win a little bit of cash so make sure you go over and do that let's turn to our official predictions for the game against the Duke Blue Devils I mean look the Carolina's back at home this is a team that Mac Brown has had a ton of success against. He's a guy that knows how to prepare for this team. This is not someone that Carolina is going to overlook, nor should they with this team being three and one now on the season. And believe it or not, having a legitimate chance in the ACC Coastal, I, I think everybody is still in play right now. Tonight's game will determine a little bit more. I think if Virginia loses tonight's game, they're probably out. But Duke's one of those teams that's still in the thick of it. Carolina has to be ready to go in this game. I'm with you. I'm a little concerned about the fact that Gunnar Holmberg has the mobile ability on the ground. That is an element of their game. Carolina struggled to slow that down over the past couple of years. So I do think Duke will put up some points in this game, but I still like Carolina. I think that this is at home with the home crowd. They have – fared very, very well. Keenan Stadium is a comfortable spot for them. I think even though you'll probably see less fans there, which is uh, just, I mean, a, a whole nother issue uh, with, with people just throwing the season away after four games, not being the results that they wanted. It's a whole nother issue. I still think that there will be an environment there. I still feel like there will be so, a, a good amount of students that will show up. It is parents weekend up there. So there will be, you know, some some people that probably normally wouldn't be in the stadium that will be there. So there will be a little bit of an environment. I think that helps Carolina. I think the offensive line at least looks better than it has over the last couple of weeks. And uh, Carolina in that second half, I think sort of what you saw a little bit against Virginia, will be able to take over defensively and shut down Duke in this one. I like the Tar Heels 45 45-24 over the Duke Blue Yeah, I've got it uh, 38-27.
1: Um, I-, I mentioned earlier, I think it's got shootout written all over it. I think that favors slinging Sammy Howell or scooting Sammy Howell or maybe slinging scooting Sammy Howell. We get a mixture of both And this one. Um, Carolina's just been a much better team at home. They're night and day. Their offense is better at home. They execute a lot better. Um, I think the defense is what it is. They're either going to make the plays or not going to make the plays. Nonetheless, I think if this game does get to the shootout like I'm projecting, I do trust Carolina and Sam Howell. Uh, Josh Downs and those guys to make the plays necessary to go in a football game. And I think Carolina will improve to 11 and 4, 18 and under and improve to 3 and 2 as we get ready for Florida State uh, after this week.
0: Yeah, so let's turn and uh, look at the closing notes. We'll start it off with a little tidbit about that Florida State game that you just talked about. October 9th, Carolina back at home. Of course, the game against Duke is one of three straight home games for the Tar Heels. Uh, The game against Florida State the week after, as of right now, is going to either be a 3 or 3.30 kickoff, and it will be uh, a, a, a nationally televised game. So it is going to be in a pretty significant time slot. I mean, believe it or not, I'm, I i don't know how because there's a legitimate chance that Florida State's going to be 0-5 after this weekend. Um, but it's still a significant game for Carolina. Uh, but it is going to be in a little bit of a better time slot. Although I'm with you, uh, people need to stop complaining about the 12 o'clock Kickoffs. Uh, it doesn't matter what time you play at. We've seen it throughout the country. Um, even some of these big time teams, teams that play in different uh, in different time zones than Carolina, including a team like Oklahoma. Oklahoma plays in the Central Time Zone. They played a game earlier this year against Nebraska, where they played at twelve o'clock. Was that stadium empty? Was that a late arriving crowd? No. If you want to get to that point of being a contender, and especially with what we've seen from this team in, you know, recent years where they thrive off of those types of environments, you've got to be there consistently. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, the 3 o'clock, 3.30 time slot will set up better, and it will allow us to probably go and tailgate with our guy, uh, Stevie Dees. Yeah, pretty about so that. We're looking forward to that. Uh, in Keenan Stadium on Saturday, Carolina will welcome back Ryan Switzer. I believe this is the first announced time that he will be back uh, since his time at Carolina. I, he's probably been back to a couple of games, but it just hasn't been as you know stated as this one. A lot of people are speculating, probably going to be the Keenan legend of the game. It would make sense, especially considering that back in 2015, he gave Carolina one of the best performances uh, that a wide receiver could against Duke, of course, and Carolina's 66-31 to 31 thrashing of the Blue Devils uh, in Keenan Stadium, so he will be back. Uh, I, it'll be really cool to see him out there. I know uh, he's been through a lot, uh, especially over the last couple of years. He's been banged up uh, a couple of times out there in Cleveland as he's been trying to make that roster out there, so it'll be great to see him back in Keenan Stadium. He's not the only significant wide receiver that will be there though. Andre Green Jr., the four star uh, target in the 2022 class for the Tar Heels will be visiting Chapel Hill this weekend. This is a big deal for Carolina. Uh, A lot of people were speculating that he could end up going to Clemson. Instead, he decides to come and watch Carolina play. So, uh, pretty significant uh, deal for the Tar Heels to have him in the house against their rival. A chance for Carolina to sort of show off that offense and what they can do uh, you know, going forward and give him a little bit of a glimpse at, as to what he could be playing in over the next couple of years if he chooses to commit to Carolina. So uh, some big news there. Uh, make sure that you guys, if you are going to the game, as we mentioned, ma- make sure that you're in your seat, you're loud, trying to help this team out. They still deserve the support because this is a team that still has all of their goals in front of them and still have a chance to have a special season and uh when it comes to everything for the duke game you can check it out over on the website hilltopblog.com we'll be having the preview go up uh tomorrow uh make sure that you guys will check that out don't know the exact time uh we usually try to get it up right around 24 hours beforehand but uh, of course that will be right around 12 o'clock uh i am Still going to probably be working at that time, so I won't be able to stop and put it up just just at that exact time. Uh, but it will be out shortly after that. So make sure that you guys check that out. Read all about this game against Duke. Of course, uh, we'll go even more in depth and uh, letting you know about uh, the team that Carolina will be facing and the team breakdowns. We'll do stack comparisons between the two teams. We'll also talk uh, you know have the injury report for you guys as well uh, as our keys to the game. Go a little more in depth on those and also look at the projected starting line. Up's for the game, all that stuff in the preview. And then, of course, once the game's over, we'll have the recap for you guys. That'll be the first time this year, because they don't play at night. That'll be the first time this year that we'll put it up on the day of the game, because if we did post on the day of the game uh, after we finished writing the recap, you'd have to stay up until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning to be able to uh, read the recap. We don't want to do that to you guys, so we just wait until the next day. This time, though, it'll be up for your reading during the nightly games. You'll be able to check those out uh, and uh, read about the game Again, for Carolina against Duke, our biggest takeaways, and then, of course, Josh will have the trench report for you, and I'll wrap up the week with the stock report before we do all of it all over again as we take you throughout this Tar Heel football season. Of course, on the recruiting side of things, uh, George Petaway Jr. committed, or George Petaway Jr., excuse me, I'm getting mixed up with Andre Green Jr. George Petaway, not a junior, uh, he committed last week, uh, four-star running back prospect, Carolina now with a, uh, a pretty solid duo in the backfield in this 2022 class, one that a lot of people are excited about. Make sure you go back, check out his article and read about that. And of course, we'll have you covered on all of the recruiting stuff going forward throughout the season as guys like Zach Rice, Andre Green Jr. who we just talked about, some of the other targets for the Tar Heels in this current class, uh, you know, close in on the commitments which we expect will take place before that early signing period deadline. And we'll have you covered on all stuff in season on all of that. Josh has you covered on the basketball side of things. Carolina. Jones. Just had their first practice the other day, uh, and they are just steaming towards the start of the first year under Hubert Davis. There is a ton of excitement about this season, um, and and I think Carolina's got a chance to be really, really good. Josh going to walk you through all the preseason stuff. Of course, he'll give you any of the notes, any of the major notes that are coming out of practice and everything like that. And then, of course, once we get in season, it'll be full tilt. We'll be doing he'll be doing previews, recaps, all sorts of stuff like that. We'll be doing podcast editions. We're hoping to do them for each game this season, um, but we got to figure out with the schedules how exactly that's going to work. But the goal is to have the Four Corners podcast, have an episode for every single game this year. So uh, we are extremely excited about that. Uh, make sure that you check out the Four Corners podcast as well as the Yotop blog podcast. If you listen to your podcast on any of the major apps, and when you do, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, it's Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those, all those spots. You can check out the podcasts and uh, download those and subscribe to them so that whenever a new edition comes out of either one, it's right there in your podcast library. You can also check out uh, those audio editions as well as the video editions of those podcasts. On the Facebook page at Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. That's where you can check all that stuff out. Articles as well will be on there. So uh, that's your one stop shop for all the great stuff uh, when it comes to the Tar Heels. Uh, we, we have all the stuff on there for you guys. Check it out. Uh, and you also get the notifications whenever we do have a video premiering, whenever we're going live, whatever, any of that stuff. It'll be in your notifications as well when you like and follow that page. Over on Twitter, at heel Tough blog, uh, is the main, uh, page for the blog. And then of course, if you want to follow us personally, it's me at HTB Anthony, Josh at HTB Josh, and then our recruiting guru on the football side of things at hack suburb too. So that wraps up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening and as always go Tar Heels and go to hell dude.